This is the Press Pass with Chris Ryan. This is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes, coaches, and general managers in sports. I think you appreciate each and every one. Uh, each and every one is special in their own way. And I play with two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis, and people get spoiled. You know, they they saw Manny, they saw David, so they they start taking people for granted. Uh, opportunity for me. I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and consistency. The region's still trying to make sense of the Celtics' loss to the Warriors in the finals while the Red Sox surge. This is the press pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, Brad Stevens talked with the media this past week and talked a little about the past in the NBA Finals loss to the Golden State Warriors. Four games, two in a series. They led two games to one, and going into the fourth quarter, it looked like it was going to be a three-games-to-one series lead before they blew game four inside the TD Garden. And looking at the fact the Celtics got to that point and how to sustain where they're at, but also perhaps get a little bit better. And he talked about you know the team being delicate and that chemistry that a team has being delicate in how the Celtics go about trying to make themselves better in the offseason. So... What I took away is the Celtics feel they have the base that will allow for them to be successful for years to come, but they will try to make some additions that do not really alter the identity of the team. I think this team is built on defense, Uh, so there's been some discussion about who may go, who may stay. The key principles of this team will stay. I don't think there's any question about that, but the Celtics will look to add, and to me, an area that has always been deficient is three-point knockdown shooters. You know, Grant Williams, kind of, who we're going to hear from in a second, kind of worked himself into that 3-and-D type of a role. The Celtics, in my view, need smalls that can shoot the three more consistently coming off the bench. And whether that's Peyton Pritchard, whether that's somebody else, Aaron Neesmith not being able to fill that role this year was significant. And they also need a big that can shoot the three as well. Al Horford was really good in that role, but is Daniel Tice a part of the future? Do they need a, be- a better 3 and D type guy there? Those are the two areas, you know, the small that can shoot and the big that can shoot where they, and defend. That's where the, I see the Celtics making additions. Playmaking was a concern as well. They didn't think they had enough guys that could make plays off of the dribble consistently. So... I think some minor changes for the Celtics, but also some retrospective thought about where things went wrong in the finals. Here's Grant Williams on that. Yeah, I feel like the biggest thing is the physical and mental conditioning, um, more so the mental side of things. Um, physically, I feel like we were prepared to, to match for the cow and everything else, but I feel like they had that discipline that you need in those moments. They had the experience, and we didn't play that way. We played kind of immature in a sense you know um, a lot of the simple reads that we could have made um, we didn't and that allowed them to, to spark their transition and spark their break so um, it's more so about making sure that we understand exactly what we're we're trying to accomplish that's what, we, what I pretty much said throughout the whole whole playoffs is understanding what we are looking for out there and then going out and executing and I feel like we had a good understanding of what we were looking for but we didn't execute and that's probably the biggest thing is we we had enough opportunity we 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 held them we did our job on defense it's just our offense kept shooting us in the foot so um for us it's just finding ways to not only get those extra possessions but also make sure that the possessions that we do have aren't wasteful 
uh, whether that's a turnover, whether that's a um, a bad shot, which leads to another three on their end. Um, playing against a team as dynamic as them, even as well as we defended them, I think they averaged, I think, 103 points over the whole whole final. We just didn't – our offense didn't keep us there. You mentioned uh, some of the factors that led to Warriors' success in the series, mental maturity and things of that nature. Is there anything else that jumped out at you in terms of why they had success they had? Um, nothing was glaring. No. Um, when you re- if you go back and rewatch each game, it was the same old, same old things, turnovers and officer rebounds. Um, the, the game was won by that. It wasn't necessarily like they killed us on the offensive end, not in the half court or, um, we like one way or the other. It was more so whichever team won those battles, won the game. And, um, also, um, the, the dynamic shift of like, how they took they changed the series starting in that game where they won three in a row. You know, they just upped their physicality and, and we responded somewhat, but then we scapegoated sometimes. And that's a little bit of the maturity side of things. Us being being more mentally strong is the number one thing for this team moving forward and being more prepared to focus in on every single little detail that needs to be done. Also talked with the Celtics, Derek White. Hey, Derek, when you look back at this series and had some time to think about it, what were the, the major things that separated the Warriors from you guys? And Grant was referencing you know, mental maturity and experience being a big factor. Um, how much do you think that this experience will benefit you guys moving forward? Yeah, um, I mean, they, they've been there before. Um, they've won it before, so they, they knew what it took. Um, just having that discipline. I mean, they didn't really beat themselves. Um, and they took advantage of every mistake that we made. So, um, I mean, the experience is invaluable. Um, I'm sure each person is going to take a lot that they learned from that series and just make them uh, better players in the future. All right, Derek White right there. Let's transition into the Red Sox, who have been red hot, moving up the standings ever since that difficult April. Strong May and June for the Red Sox has them in playoff position at this point in time. And a big reason for that has been the big three in the Red Sox lineup. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez. Those three are amongst the best hitters in baseball. They're in the same lineup. It's pretty historic what they have been able to do. You look at the league average compared to their averages, their OPS, everything. These are three elite hitters all within the same lineup, three likely all-stars. And that's pretty rare when you even look at the context and history of the game. A lot of times you see great duos And we saw Manny Ramirez back at Fenway Park this week along with David Ortiz to remind us of that. But this is a great trio. Uh, We talked with Xander Bogarts about that. Xander, what is your kind of context for what you and Rafi and J.D. are doing kind of on an all-time basis? Three in top five batting average, three in top 12 OPS. Obviously, this is something that it's rare to see three guys hitting at this level. I mean, it's, it's... Uh, sorry. I know the numbers are there, you know. Uh, each of us have different swings. Uh, but we all we all work hard at hitting. Uh, we, all, we all listen from each other. Uh, not saying that the other guys don't, but, I mean, we've been together for a while now, and uh, I feel like every year it's been kind of like it's been pretty consistent with, with, the, with those guys, you know, and especially them two this year. They're, 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 I mean, they're... They're going off, you know, and they they work hard. As I said, they they listen from each other. They share advices. They share ideas, and it's fun when you have guys like that and just just wanting to learn from each other. 
one of the things that's so impressive too is you look at the league averages for hitting and OPS and where you guys are at and a lot of the other great duos or trios in history will kind of be as good as the times where you seem to be hitting against the the times um you mentioned that you're all different but what do you feel like connects the the three of you and allows you guys to have you know success collectively good question uh i mean i mean you want to you want to be up there you know if you ask me like I'm seeing those boys doing what they're doing, and I don't want to be left behind. You know, it's it's not that I want them to get out so I can reach them or anything like that. But it's fun. It's it's a competitive funness when when they're up there and you're trying to get to where they are. Uh, I think that's something that just fuels you and and and, and motivates you to uh, to continue to continue reaching their heights. You know, and. Uh, those guys are really good hitters, man. They're, they're really special, and especially JD, because I can say for a fact, me and me and Devers, we've definitely learned a lot from him in his time here. Uh, we're very, we're very thankful for that. But I mean, you see, you see, you see one of those guys doing something. You just wanna, you wanna be right there. You know, you wanna, you want you wanna be there. You guys are really competitive with with each other and wanting to have success. JD mentioned that basically Rothy is like the freak. He's like the up and coming star. He's he swings different. He expands the zone. He's just a natural talent basically. And he obviously works every single day and tinkers with perfection. his swing. Yeah, perfection yeah. has to be perfection. Who are you? Oh man, ah, uh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm 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 different than that. Uh, I have different swings. My swing might not be as nice all the time, but I'm a hustler, bro. I, I days I'm not feeling well, I go out there and listen. Is this is what you have? You gotta you gotta roll with this, you know. And I've had days this year. Uh, I've had like a, a, at least a week stretch where it's like all I feel I can do is hit an infield hit and and, and run hard, you know, or a little bloop here and there, but just to survive because I've I've, I've been trying to find my swing the whole year and. and Thankfully, lately it's been feeling really, really good. But before, I'm telling you, bro, it was, it was a grind, man. Every day I'm in that box, it's like, all right, where's this infield hit gonna go? Because I gotta turn on my jets and run because I was just feeling that bad. But I'm, it's not like I'm gonna give in, you know. I'm going down with a fight, and I'm, I'm just gonna still try to get it, you know, any 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 way possible. That's the final thing, and obviously you're the best athlete out of the three, and you're able to use that athleticism to have success. But do you feel that the Xander Bogarts of you know five, six years ago maybe goes into a slump during a time period where you are struggling to make the contact you want to make with the baseball, but now you're finding ways? And is that how you've kind of evolved as a hitter from being one of the best hitters in the game now to one of the best players in the game? I mean, sometimes it's all about just taking what they give you, you know. Uh, us as hitters, we go through stretches where we don't f- feel like you played, and sometimes you hit it hard and, and, and it's nothing to show. But, I mean, you got a big hole open there at second base, you know. Why not try to try to go over there? Just get just get something, you know. As I said, it's, I mean, that's just the, the way I think. Maybe I think differently than these guys. These guys always want to drive the ball, you know, extra bases or whatever, but... Listen, bro, I'm feeling like you see a big hole over there. I'm going to try. Like, it's just who I am, and I will live and die with that because in my ability, I believe that I can be able to pull it off knowing that I put in a lot of work on on trying to stay 
stay that way and, and knowing that it's possible. Trevor's story continues to impress with his glove and also with his home run bats. A big home run for Trevor Story on Tuesday night as that was a part of the Tigers' sweep for the Red Sox. And I talked with the Red Sox second baseman. Just what's impressed you most about this team so far? You're nearly at the halfway point of the season. You've been through some good times, some bad times. You've battled some injuries. What's what's impressed you most about the group? Um, I think our uh, it's kind of our resiliency um, and the belief in ourselves, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. Um, like you said, we've had some ups and downs. Didn't start off great. Um, some injuries and whatnot, but... Um, yeah, I feel like the the good teams, the you know, they're deep, and I feel like that's that's what we have. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's what I've been most impressed with. Yeah, it seems like this group has faced a lot early on in the season. Yourself early on in the season, and what do you think is the the growth from that? Like when there's future adversity, you know how to deal with it better. What do you think comes from adversity to make kick out and flip it into a positive? Yeah, exactly. I think you know any experience. In this game and in life, I feel like good or bad is uh, can be used for the future, um, and just to add to the experience that you have, and um, you, know, you you learn how to deal with it uh, mentally and physically, and I think uh, yeah, it can shorten uh, shorten the curve, um, you know, in the future for because you know things are going to pop up. Manny Ramirez said something that's pretty interesting on that Nesson telecast on Tuesday night and that you know, if Derek Jeter had played in Kansas City, he wouldn't have been Derek Jeter. And that playing in Boston or New York is playing in the big leagues in terms of the pressure and everything that goes along with it, weather and the storms. And you've obviously had experience having great success in another big league city. Um, what's your take on that? Like, is it is it different? Is it Does it take an adjustment? Yeah, it's different. Um, yeah, it does take an adjustment, I think. Um, you know, just the kind of the atmosphere, and um, there's so many great things about it. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, it feels like uh, every single game matters. Every you know, every inning, every at pitch, every at bat, every every little thing is uh, you know on a big stage. Um, and you know, in, in those two markets especially, and, um, I think it's great. I think it brings out the best in people. And um, but yeah, it's a challenge. And I think that that you know that was part of uh, you know embracing it. And there's certain guys that have done so well. That I mean, J.D. Martinez comes to mind as a guy who came in with big expectations and has embraced that. Ortiz became Ortiz here in this city. But how do you go about, you know, keeping the outside expectations outside and kind of keeping within your own expectations and not letting the chatter of this is what this guy is supposed to do and and let it kind of eat at you at times? Yeah, I think the um, you know the expectations are you know none none are higher than I think than. That we have for ourselves as players um and you know you work you you just work towards those expectations try to set the standard in your pregame and uh, how you're getting ready for the game and um you know once the game comes it's just time to let it fly and you know have fun and try to execute the plan um but yeah it's uh you know, there's always going to be um you know good and bad out there but i think the way you handle it um you know for me i'll try to stay pretty even keeled and you know, not too high, not too low, and I think that's serve, that's going to serve me well um, my time here in Boston. As we get close to the halfway point of the season, what do you see in in your first half? Uh, just a little inconsistency, a um, little too many ups and downs, more than I'm used to. Um, uh, so really looking, you know, and I, I feel much better as of late um, with my at-bats and just trying to uh, be more consistent and I think uh, that's what I'm looking forward to in the second half. Alex Gora said you're the best defensive 
the second baseman in the league. Do you feel like you're there, or Alex pumping your tires a little bit? Like, what do you, what do you sense? You've always been, you've always been good, but you obviously, you know, want to continue to improve. Yeah, um, I mean that's a that's a big compliment, and I feel, um, you know, I'm, I'm a confident player, and of course I'm going to agree with him, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, still uh settling in over there a little bit but i i feel good and like i've said the whole time i'm, I'm really just trying to uh, make plays and you know no matter where i'm at you know in the short right or you know halfway up the middle um just try not to overthink it and just use my instincts and and but yeah certainly room for improvement in my eyes no doubt and I'm, that's what gets me excited yeah i wanted to ask you about the short right field plays because we talked a lot about you know, the footwork and getting the ball from you know on the double play from uh, the left side of the infield but it seems like that has to be one of the bigger adjustments because of you know, the depth and timing and it seems like you're starting to get to a place where you're comfortable with the timing out there on your throws and where you have to be to get the ball to a certain spot yeah yeah exactly um all that just comes with reps and, you know, game reps. And I think uh, just being, uh, you know, my internal clock is a little different over at second than it was at short and getting used to that and feeling more, you know, better and better with that each day and um, just kind of learning the angles too on which I can take and um, picking up first base is, is a little different, you know. And um, But, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I've, I've really embraced the challenge of playing short, you know, playing second, you know, in the big leagues for the first time, and I think it's uh, it's been fun, man, and I, I've enjoyed it. The final thing is on kind of the historic nature with the you know, big three of this team right now and Xander as well as Rafi and, and J.D. are doing. I mean, you look at their numbers as compared to the league averages, and they're historically good as a as a trio. Like, What is the sense you get about how you know, good those three are, and do you feel that in some ways they're kind of underrated? Yeah. Yeah, it's a special group of guys. Um, you know, the, those three dudes are, you know, they're studs in every aspect of the game. And I think, uh, yeah, it's certainly underappreciated. But, you know, I've, you know, being with them every day and seeing how they go about their business and the consistency of it is what sticks out to me. And I think, you know, consistency over a long time, you know, leads to greatness. And that's what those guys are is great. And it's, uh, you know, those guys drive our team. And, um, you know, they, they kind of set the standard for, for everybody. Trevor, thanks a lot. Yep, thank you. Trevor's story right there. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals came into Fenway Park uh, this past weekend. Red Sox took two out of three from them. And Albert Pujols played his final regular season games at Fenway Park. Of course, Pujols is an all-time great. Fifth all-time in home runs with 683, a career 296 batting average. Tenth all-time in hits, 3,323. And third in RBI behind only Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth of 2,166. The the numbers are insane for Albert Pujols. Consider the context of who he is side-by-side with in baseball history. An opportunity to talk with one of the all-time greats inside the Visitors Clubhouse at Fenway Park as Pujols held court along with Louis Tiant, Red Sox legend who was seated right beside us. We have this conversation. What does the the Red Sox doing what they did for you on Saturday night mean to you, and and what has it been like being here at Fenway for the final time? Well, I don't think, uh, I mean, this. I'm not going to say the final time because they're in the American League. There's a chance, you know, that we can face in the... World Series, so but uh, it's pretty special, you know, coming to this place. I think the atmospheres of the fans, you know, and uh, the history of the organization, the history they got against the Cardinals, and I think it's pretty special just to come here and just enjoy it, you know, as a player. I mean, uh, 
if it is the last time, then, you know, just really swallowing everything for the last week of kind of be, being like a sponge, you know, and enjoying every moment. And uh, it was pretty special yesterday to see David, you know, to come and really be part of the ceremony, uh, something that I wasn't expecting, uh, somebody that... It's like a big brother to me, somebody that I admire, you know, the, he way, the way that he went about it, and uh, just uh, really enjoyed it. I love the fan response, too, where this place can be tough on visiting players, and there are obviously a lot of Cardinals fans here, but the Red Sox fans, both in that ceremony and also when you came up to pinch hit later in the game, and you know, I expect during your bats here today on Sunday, into it, what does that mean to you that you're kind of being you know, recognized for the historical player that you are? No, pretty special. First of all, I thank God, you know, for allowing me to have the career that I have uh, so far, you know, for 22 years and the accomplishment that I have in my life, uh, you know. uh, But uh, at the same time, you know, I try to block all that stuff and really focus on, uh, you know, do whatever I have to do this afternoon to help this ball club to win. And that's my main goal, Uh, you know, sometimes, you know. Yes, it is fun, you know, but you don't want those distractions, you know, to affect you, your preparation and the gang and what you need to do. So I'm glad that the fan got into I'm glad that they're enjoying and it means a lot, you know, to have them uh, respect their career because at the end of the day, you know, that's you play for God, your family and your fans, you know, and that's something that I uh, that I enjoy every single time. And certainly, you know, there is the opportunity to win a championship and go out on top and that's obviously what you'd like, but getting the opportunity to kind of soak things in and have that final season and that closure in which you know you can say goodbye in the way that you have been able to do so and what does that mean well i mean you know that's not my main focus my main focus right now yes as we celebrate it but i don't want to be the focus of this team when we go into the city you know our main focus is the way that we go out and play and, and play the cardinals way and that's for me that's something that i uh you know that I made sure I told this guy in spring training opening day uh, was great but then, then it's time to go you know and I think we have the ball club here uh, that can accomplish those things you know so uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to get into the postseason and then uh, you know playing in the World Series late in October. I talked with David about you and also Nolan Arenado and they both say best right-hand hitter ever. What does that mean to you? Obviously, the numbers back it up, but to have your peers, a guy that looks up to you like Nolan, say that you're the best right-hand hitter the game's ever seen. Uh, it's a special. Uh, I think uh, give all the glory to the Lord and the hard work uh, that I put in day in and day out. Uh, that's something that I that I focus every off-season and during the season, and uh, because of that, I'm able to accomplish everything that I have accomplished in, in my career. And, uh, you know, being a sample for others, you know, I mean, it's not just uh, talk to talk. You have to walk and do the action, you know. Talk is cheap, I guess. You have to go out there and prove it. And that's something that I allow uh, my career to do and speak for me. Final thing is just on your ability to, to hit. And if you were talking to whether it was a kid who is 12 years old or a, a young player who wants to get to the place that you have been and developed that type of consistency what are a couple of things that you feel that you've been able to instill in your you know off the field regimen that's allowed for you to have this type of success and build these types of incredible numbers i think for me is uh, my dedication my work uh really focus not thinking too much uh just focus on just seeing the ball and hit it try to keep uh, everything simple and just allow my hard work and, and my talent to go out there and speak for me and then just trust my work, you know, trust my work and the ability that I have. And that's something that I've done 
pretty good the rest of my career. Thank you. Congratulations on an incredible career. Thanks, bro. Bless you. Albert Pujols right there. More baseball coming up on the Press Pass next week, including a trip to Cooperstown, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, for conversations with Wade Boggs, Alan Trammell, and Tim Raines, three of the biggest stars of the 1980s. We'll check in on the Red Sox as well with Tanner Houck and how Adam Wainwright, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher, is saying goodbye to the big leagues with a bit of an interesting tour at each of the ballparks. That all coming up next week on the Press Pass. Until then, I am Chris Ryan. Thanks so much for being with us. This has been the Press Pass.